When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Thanks for listening to the AC Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You just put down a deposit and you get $1,000 in free plays. All right. Now joined by William Brad Alice. I am merely Mike Luke. Hello, William. Hello, Michael. How are you doing out there in Tucson? I'm hanging out in Los Angeles right now. Are you still in LA? I am still in LA right now. Uh, It's hot. I was gonna, well, it's about 80 degrees right here right now. So you know what? I am not going to complain whatsoever. I was trying to pull my mic, Luke, and I did a uh, PA announcing for my son's little league is hosting a state tournament. And the first game started at eight. Uh, it was about 90. Uh, game was over in about an hour and a half. Right. Uh, team got run ruled. Congratulations, West Flagstaff. Uh, the second game then started at 11. It went three hours and 20 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it was hot. I was under shade. I was drinking water. It was hot. Yeah. So then to make that matters worse, I played hockey last night and the fan that hits one side of the rink out. So I think I lost five pounds last night just from sweat. I'm doing good. And I'm going to be envious of you being in in L.A. with Uncle Uncle Kev and, and Ben White and the gang. Uncle Kev says hi to everybody out there. So, all right, let's get down to it. Omar, James, Christopher, Tia. All of you that's already commented, you are awesome. Okay, now, Kylan Boswell um, announced last Thursday that he was going to reclassify, and that seemed, that's kind of sent reverberations through some of the preseason rankings right now because, you know, you look at it, and Arizona's gone from some, being somewhere in that 20, 20 range to about 15. What is your What do you expect out of Boswell next year, Brad? I think that's the million-dollar question. Right. I know Boswell and his dad have said they want to come in. They want to get their feet wet, um, get used to the college game. 
you know, play 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and that's, if that is true, that signifies to me that Arizona thinks they're probably going to be losing some combination of Kirk Risa and Pella Larson right. uh, to pro basketball overseas or, or maybe the NBA. Um, Cause we already know they're going to lose the, the, the kid from Texas. Boswell's not coming to Arizona to get his feet wet. If right. that is all it is, he'll be fine with it. Right. Um, you know, in the back of his mind, Boswell wants to come in, win the job, um, show that he's more athletic than anyone believes, and go to the pros. Right. You can't blame the kid. Um, but what do I expect? I expect somewhere in between. I think he will provide stability in the, the backcourt. And, and let me stress this. I think a lot of people look at the two ba- traditional backcourt positions. With Arizona, I, I say you look at three. Um, we're now talking the three perimeter positions where you have five and a half players right. manning those positions. You know, it's it's some combination of uh, Larson, Ball, uh, Rainey, uh, Henderson, Rainey. Right. maybe Henderson. Well, Henderson's the half. Because right. move also means to me they think Henderson's more of a front court player. Right. Um, and I think he is a combo forward. Uh, but yeah, and so you solidify that position. It also probably means big, big Philly C is not ready to play, and we didn't think that. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're Tommy Lloyd, you're not going to tell the kid not to reclassify unless it was going to totally screw up your uh, your right. chemistry. And again, even if Kerr Creasa comes back, you're going to have now a three-headed monster in the backcourt with an experienced Kylan Boswell to make a, another, because I get, I think this puts Arizona in the mix where you can't count them out to make a deep run in March, but really they're building for the, uh, for, for a year from now. Okay. So Omar Vega says, and I think this is a great point I was going to get to, but let's get to it. Now he says, are Kerr, Rainey and uh, Rainey and uh, Pella locks to start? I would be really surprised if any of these three didn't start. You generally don't bring in a guy who's an all Big 12 type performer uh, from Texas and Ramey. Kerr started all last year. Clearly, Tommy Lloyd likes him. And Pella, I would be pretty surprised if he's not starting at the three. What say you, William? I think Pella's the question. Right, okay. Um, unless, again, Boswell's just so much better than we think he is, and he pushes Kerr, and then you tell Kerr you're a scorer off the bench. I think, again, and it's not a knock on Pella. I think Pella is, is going to be a better player this year than he was last year. But I think the question is, how good is Adam Ball? Mm, right. Uh, you know, Ball showed flashes last year. Ball was 17 years old and like 98 pounds. Right. <laughs> so what is an 18-year-old, 130-pound Adam Ball going to be? And again, I don't know. Um, but again, Larson also seems to me to be mature enough that if you're like, well, yeah, go go to Pete as the sixth man of the year, he's not going to be upset. Uh, where again, I think, and I don't want to make it sound like Ramey's a bad kid, but yeah, Ramey came here to start. Right. Because if he went to West Virginia, he's not only starting, he's probably leading that team in scoring. Um, so now again, does Tommy Lloyd make promises? No, but uh, sometimes things are just kind of uh, assumed. And again, if Ramey's not good enough, yeah, he won't start. But if Ramey is competent enough and he's the guy you brought in, he will start. I'd be surprised if Kerr doesn't start. And then again, I think it's a top up toss up between Larson and Ball. And again, that's more incumbent on how much better Ball is because uh, Pella Larson, while I think he's better, is a fully formed player. Adama Ball is not. 
Right. You know what's interesting to me about Boswell looking at him? And again, he's very good. I expect him to play in the NBA. So don't people don't take this the wrong way. But when I look at the, the top shelf level point guards that have come in here and generally or point guard slash two guards, I think of guys like Mike Bibby. I think of a guy like a Jared Bayless, players like that. Again, now Mike Bibby's a top five player. There's a big difference between that. and uh, But when I watch Boswell, I see more solid than great. With Bayless and Bibby, you could just tell coming in that these dudes were totally different. Again, Boswell is very good, but I think people maybe need to be just cautionary a little bit here that I don't know that he's going to come in and make that kind of impact, Brad. Yeah, and, and the thing you also have to remember is, again, he uh, watching video, and I'm going on video and scouting reports. I've never seen the kid play live, right, so right. don't. I'm not going to pretend. Right, when you're PA announcing the Flagstaff yeah. All Stars, come on, let's be honest here. Um, but Boswell does not look like elite athlete. Right now, he, he's a very good athlete. He's not. Right. He's not Drew Lavender. You know. Right. Athlete. Right. But when you're Dallin Terry and you're an elite athlete, you can average eight and seven and still get drafted in the first round. Right. If you're Kylan Boswell and he is athletically what I think he is, you have to show it. Right. More than you have to tease it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, do I think Boswell can come in and play – 15 minutes a game and average six and with three assists and play in the NBA. No, not next year. Right. He has to come in, be a starter, win basketball games, put up respectable numbers. Again, NBA scouts don't care that much about numbers. Hmm. Um, what can I project you? What can I, what can I project? Right. Uh, but you, with a guy like Boswell, frankly, with a guy like, uh, you know, a few of these other guys, the guys we've seen over the years. You know, if Solomon Hill doesn't have a monster senior year, he doesn't get drafted in the first round. Right. Um, whereas if you're, again, Jared Bayless, if Bayless had put up two-thirds the numbers he did, and people forget how good he, that year was. He was amazing. But he was also a 6'4 shooting guard with elite athleticism and some ball handling skills and some point guard skills. And frankly, I'm still a little disappointed in his overall NBA career, although he's a rich, rich man. Right. Um, I thought he. Would, I thought he would take it to that next level as well that he didn't get to. I, I thought he would have, yeah, a very good career. He had a good career. Right. Um, again, I know a certain columnist called him a bust. He is a bust who has about thirty million in the bank, and probably more than that because he has that, that art collection. But, um, but if you're, you know, if he had averaged eleven and four at Arizona as a freshman, he's still getting drafted in the first round. Right. Boswell's got to be got Boswell's got to show it. So do I think he can come in and not win the starting lineup and be one and done? No. And he's probably a two or three year guy. Right. Um, again, he could surprise and Tommy Lloyd develops players. So we'll, we'll see, but it, really, I think, yes, I think what he and his family say is what's going to happen. They want to get him ready for the next year when this could be a monster Arizona team. I mean, this is a team that is again, adding, um, Lewis uh, could be adding mm-hmm. uh, the two other, you know, Luke Tommy Evans, Cody Williams. Yeah. Yeah. They're still in play as are, you know, mystery euros. Uh, you're going to have a, a year older Vesser. You could have uh, a fifth year. Was it be fifth year for Tabellus? I can't even remember now. Uh, I have COVID. It's, it'd be his fourth year. Yeah. But still. Fourth year. But, you know, it could be a special team. And right. after this year can't be a very good team. So that's what I think. But you're telling me if 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 he does if he wins the starting job and goes twelve and six with 
two turnovers per game and he can jump, he's going to jump. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I think a lot is up in the air and in play, but there's a lot going on with the team. And I think, again, it, this just benefits a team where we had questions. You know, you keep, you've asked me a few times, you've asked Matt Muehlbach, can Kirk Kreese take you to a final four? Now you have an insurance policy. Right. I think Christopher Burnett also hits the nail on the head because obviously you don't know Kylan Boswell is also recovering from a little bit of an injury that he had. And if you can get him into college, he can just get better training than he can at Compass Prep. He can get better rehabilitation. So, you know, that's certainly an advantage to that as well. I do agree with you. And I've, I've been remiss in bringing this up. And uh, Omar Vega said, who has the best opportunity to be the sixth man? And I look at it and I, I, we're kind of sleeping on Adama Ball here. You made another, you made a great point, Brad, where he is, and Tommy Lloyd mentioned this as well, because Tommy Lloyd pays attention to Mike Luke and William Brad Ellis. But he did make the point, he said, he should have been a high school senior this past year. He came in here as a 17-year-old. You've seen it all the time. The difference between being 17 and 19 or having that extra year under your belt is immense. And you saw at the end of the year how Ball really started to come into his own, and you could tell that Lloyd had some big plans for him going forward. You know, I think there's several things we have to remember, and, and the leap from 17 to 19, you're right, is huge. Just mm. as really the leap from 18 to, like, 21. Right. Um, I'm not sure if you were in the weight room at that age. No. But um, I barely was, but there is a leap in, in strength, and you see it when these grad transfers come in. Right. Justin Kyer was just stronger than most of the guys on the Arizona team. And right. that made, you know, you look, uh, and again, kid, we also have to remember kids develop at different rates. And Ball looked like a skinny little kid last year. Right. Right. Really talented, but a skinny little kid. And again, we don't know. He may always be skinny. Right. Um, but he also had those flashes and he's wildly athletic. And you have to assume having been in a, de facto pro system since he was 12 or 13 with that Paris team he was on that he's gotten good coaching and development. So again, yeah, I, I, am not sleeping on him because frankly, I, until, until they got Ramey, I just penciled him in at the three. Right. Um, and I still not convinced he's not the three and Larson's not the six man. Um, but if balls, the six man, great. But either way, he's in the rotation and I think he's an important player. Okay, now Adama Ball. Let's talk about him for a second. Could you see him maybe? Ide well, ideally, here's what I'd like. I'd like to see him have maybe a Michael Dickerson sophomore year light type contribution, where I think Mike D was probably what about eleven points per game, but you could just see that he was getting better and better, and everything was going towards that next year where you're like, man, as a junior, he's going to be problems. Yeah, you know, I think again, I don't know what Ball can do. Right. Um, you know, we know he played a lot of point guard in, in Europe. Um, so does that mean he winds up being more of a Pella Larson type third ball handler who can right. score? Or does he just have another gear in his scoring ability and he becomes another Matherin? And again, right. Matherin could handle the ball as well, but, you know, that, that was less his role. I'm very intrigued by what ball could be. And, and I shouldn't get my hopes up because... I kept convincing myself that every combo guard that Sean Miller kept bringing in was going to be able to play 10 minutes at the point guard, and none of them could. It never happened, right? Gabe York right. at the end. But I keep thinking to myself, because Tommy Lloyd did it last year, really. 
Right. Last year is really the first year, maybe since Bayless, and maybe even since uh, before that, where the second guard could could basically run the team with the first guard out there. Because under Loot, it happened all the time. Right. Muehlbach, Othic, uh, Kerr, McMillan, mm-hmm. uh, the the entire backcourt in the '94 team, uh, even with Miles out there with Terry and Bibby. Uh, but I really think that's what Tommy Lloyd wants. He wants, you know, Ramey can play some point. Larson can run the offense for small stretches. If Ball can do it as well, uh, and now you got Boswell, that takes a lot of pressure off Kirk Creesa. And if that game, if Kirk Creesa has the hot hand, you slide him over. Someone else will run it. Or you get what you get last year when there were easily nights your small forward was leading you in assists. Right. Um, it gives you so much more flexibility than I have one point guard. I have James Akinjo. He's going to come up, and if he has tunnel vision, we're in trouble that night. Or he's going to score thirty, and we're you know the Mark Lyons teams. One one thing though that you don't have to worry about giving only half effort, Brad. The DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Now, William, you talk. You're a big wrestling guy. You've yeah. talked about that they have good things on there about wrestling, correct? They do, yeah. They're they're uh, you know you get like the ten and you get to pick and and right. Uh, and I know there's some other prop bets and stuff like that. Yes, I know it's wrestling. It's scripted, but at the same time, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a it's a little more like like playing fantasy daily fantasy than it is, you know, gambling on a legitimate sports event. But hey, when you go and you make that you put that deposit down, you get the 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 fun money. You know, maybe a little pro wrestling, whether it's AEW. WWE, have some fun with it. Okay, so let's put, again, put it down. Uh, you put down a deposit. You can get up to $1,000 in free plays, 21 and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, Brad, I wanted to talk now a little bit more about the conference realignment. I've had a bunch of people ask me, well, how would this uh, impact Arizona? And honestly, with Arizona basketball, I'm going to keep seeing this again, or I'm going to keep making this point again it doesn't really affect Arizona because Arizona is an entity that can stand on itself in that Tommy Lloyd's going to be able to recruit well, whether he's in the big 12, whether he's in the PAC 12, whether it's the partnership with the ACC, which I don't like that idea at all, but Arizona basketball is going to be just fine because of the brand that it is. Yeah. I, I think I honestly, in a, in a weird way, I think Arizona, I think everything but football, and, and yeah. football has been bad. For, so maybe football. <laughs> it's like, who knows? Uh, maybe because again, Tommy Lloyd knows how to operate outside of a major conference. He did it. Right. Gonzaga, right. And you can consistently do that in college basketball. Right. Uh, look at Xavier over the years, Butler. And I don't know now they're in bigger conference, but they weren't. And Xavier has been a name team since like the late. Cat- 80s. Yeah, uh, you know, look at San Diego state of late. New, what New Mexico basketball was for 20 years and, and should be again. I feel bad for, Oh, remember the Mexico basketball series was so fun, and they yeah, were all- yeah, it was. And again, what the what the Mountain West used to be with. I feel bad for UNLV too. Those should be better basketball schools, right? Um, you know, I think Arizona softball is a big enough name, although you, you are going to miss the Pac-12. With that I think you know, again, you've seen where baseball can operate independent of a conference, whether it's uh, you know, Long Beach State or Fullerton or, or now the, what is it, Dallas Baptist. and yeah, right. Uh, you know, some of those. Um, the irony is, yes, I think football could get hurt if the Pac-12 became 
the new Mountain West, but you might actually put a better product on the field in terms of wins and losses, but you won't be nationally relevant. You haven't been nationally relevant since Willie Tuitama. Right. Uh, Nick Foles. Um, now, that being said, here's here's really – I think I think the Arizona administration, A, is smart enough not to get left behind. B, has been burned enough by the Pac-12 that there's no loyalty. Right. Um, I still really believe they're going to wind up in the Big 12. I do too. Whether that's the a combined Big 12. Because here's what I think Arizona looks at. If we go to the Big 12 with ASU and with Colorado, because I know Utah's on the fence. Mm-hmm. We are guaranteed to be in a conference that's going to make money. Right. Now, are they third? No. The chance of this ACC Pac-12 or the Pac-12 surpassing that is slim. Right. But if they do, what's it going to be? Three million a year? The Pac-12 is not going to sign a hundred the the hundred million. Per, they're not signing that deal. Right. Well, if you jump to the Big Twelve, that now suddenly has Dallas market, Houston market, mm. Denver market, Phoenix market on top of what they've already had. You know, Cincinnati's mid market. Um, you're going to get paid. And now again, the Pac-12 or whatever they do might get a little bit more. It's not going to be significantly more, but I think you'd rather have the safety net of a big 12. That's almost guaranteed to get a good contract rather than hoping that SMU and San Diego state. And again, I think if, if Utah drags their feet, don't be shocked if the big 12 doesn't go after San Diego state or or SMU. Right. Um, to try to circumvent the Pac-12, unless they want that full Pac-12 merger. Um, so, yeah, my belief is the odds of Arizona being in some weird Pac-12 only or Pac-12 ACC hybrid is slim. I think the two most logical conclusions are Arizona's in the Big 12 or the Big 12 and Pac-12 full merge. Um, and, you know, whether that means – and, I, again, I don't know what that looks like. But I don't think Arizona is going to twiddle their thumbs and wait and hope the Pac-12 can salvage this. Um, because they, re- they, they, they really can't. Right. Well, no, I don't believe that they can either. Because, and here's the thing, is that once the L.A. schools, once the LA schools booked it, first of all, again, I still think it's a terrible look that you didn't know as the commissioner. Especially, too, because now we're finding out there were people that were blue checkmark people that were saying that this could happen this summer. So again, I, I, I don't really know how that can sneak up on you, but let's talk about it. Omar Vega Tabellas is more than fine with the injury. He's good. Don't worry about him. Um, but let's talk about the big 12 of football. So you've got Baylor right now outside of Texas and Oklahoma. Baylor has been the big dog. Now um, you look in the last three, you look in the last 10 years, you know, they've had four top 10 finishes with three different coaches there, William. Uh, I would not have guessed three coaches, but yes, I knew it was multiple coaches. Art Riles, Matt Rule, and Dave Aranda right now. So Baylor has actually become a pretty consistent football entity. Oklahoma State's always going to be fringe, top 25-ish. Mike Gundy's a really good – Mike Gundy's obviously a really good coach. Then Cincinnati's going to be joining the conference. Cincinnati, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the step up. But they've become a really good program as well. I don't know, is the top end of the Big 12 any worse than the top end of the now Pac-10 when it comes to football, William? Uh, I would say if, if you take out USC and UCLA, yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, it's on par. 
Um, again, you're lacking blue blood right. uh, notoriety. For sure. Because um, in reality, if you're talking Baylor, you're talking Oklahoma State, which is a model of consistency. Right. Um, you're counting on this new version of Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I think I would take Oregon and Washington's history over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still a, a very good conference. And what I find very interesting, I'm very curious to see what the new Big 12 does for Houston. Right. Just as I find two other schools, and, and it's fascinating if they wind up in a big conference. Could Houston be the sleeping giant? Is that what you're getting at a little bit? Yeah. I agree. Because they've been very good of late. In football. Right. I mean, how many 10 win seasons with different head coaches? Right. They've been very good in basketball with, again, head coaches. They're a historically great basketball school with one guy. Mm-hmm. And they're a huge market with a huge recruiting base. Right. And secondly, I also wonder what would this do a major conference, whether it's the Pac 12, the Big 12, to San Diego State? And to SMU, because there was once a time when I was a kid, when Mike Luke was probably an infant, when SMU was a national power. Now, they were paying players like crazy. Who cares? They were still a national power. They were in the Southwest Conference. We've seen them have success in basketball. If you look at what San Diego State has done of late with 10 win where they have some like seven, 10 win seasons last like seven, 10 win season. And they've won, I believe, in the last three years, 34 games, 33 games. And something. again, We've seen their basketball program. Right. If you're suddenly the only Southern California school playing other Western schools right. on the West Coast, right. you can't recruit a little bit better? Right. Um, you're telling me you're not going to grab some kids from Texas who want to go play, if they're in the Big 12, right. go play in San Diego? Uh, if you're suddenly SMU and you're in Dallas and there's a transition upheaval with – uh, TCU, you can't grab some of the, you know, you can't elevate. So I think it's all very fascinating what could end up. But if, again, I saw some day where if you end up grabbing San Diego State, ASU, Arizona, Colorado, on top of what you've already added in the new Big 12, right? 10 of the top 30 TV markets. Wow. Which is, let me ask you this. How much do you think, I know that Phoenix, I know that ASU is in the uh, uh, the Phoenix market. How much does ASU resonate in the Phoenix market? I really believe in reading a lot of the national TV guys that these leagues are looking at Arizona and ASU as the Phoenix market. Right. Because of Arizona's, frankly, more passionate fan base in that market. Right. Um, and the other thing that they're looking at is streaming numbers. And Arizona does very well with streaming numbers. Right. Um, because, again, when you have a softball team like Arizona's had, when you've had Adia Barnes's emergence, and are they trivial in terms of football TV? Yes. But when you're trying to create additional revenue streams through streaming, through networks, and, again, one thing I saw was maybe the Big 12 and Pac-12 form one network makes sense again arizona becomes a much stronger player there 
when Arizona's graduates in the Phoenix area are much more loyal to Arizona than ASU right now. And all ASU has to do is start winning and that whole dynamic changes. But again, Arizona is kind of counted in the Phoenix market, much like BYU and Utah count as the Salt Lake market as opposed to just Utah. But yeah, I think I think it's important to have that market, but I also think it's important to have both teams. Let's talk a little bit of Arizona football, and the before we sign off here, let's talk a little bit of the quarterback passing game situation. Brad, I can't believe that I'm going to say this, but on paper, is this possibly the best passing game setup, just from a talent perspective, that Arizona has walked into in, say, the last decade? The only reason I ask that, and again, we all remember the Khalil Tate highs, but you're going in now with a, a reigning Pac-12 freshman of the year in Jaden DeLara, but you're also going to have maybe the best receiving core in recent school history where you're going to have a Jacob Cowling, you're going to have a Tatora McMillan, you're going to have a Singer, you're going to have a Key and Burnett. You go on and on across the line. There's a lot right there to really like there, Brad. There is. Now, I would. I think a lot of us are discounting pre-concussion. Willie um, Tuitama? No. Uh, Rich Rod's guy. Why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Oh, um, Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, Anu. Anu, before the concussion, was pretty damn good. And he had pretty good receivers, too. And he had good receivers. Right. Um, but once he took that hit, was it the Utah or UCLA game? He was a different right. guy, just like Willie was. Um, and I think Anu was more of a gun-shy thing. I think Willie was really hurt. Right. Um, and again, Willie ended up getting it back, because I still think that team that played BYU in the Vegas Bowl was the best Arizona team it, of the of certainly the Stoops era, and maybe since Tommy that night that they agree. put on the field that night was special. Right, um, they just had some growing pains. But yes, I think if Delora is the same guy he was at Washington State, or a little bit better, and the line can block for him, and they get enough out of the ring, and then yes, I think this can be a dynamic passing game. Again, I still have questions about the play calling ability of Jed Fish. Um, well, I'm also not writing him off. I just want to see what he looks like with more competent players to, to play with. Um, you know, it's – I couldn't beat you in checkers if I only had three pieces. Well, you had a full part. See, that's the thing that I always tell people. I get people I'll get people now and then that will say, well, Jed Fish can't coach or Jed Fish can't – I have no clue if Jed Fish can coach and neither do you. And by you, I mean everybody because last year's team, let's be honest – you could make the case that that was the least talented team that Arizona football has ever fielded. Because even the Makovic teams, you look at those rosters, you still had five or six NFL players on there. You still had guys that were going to go on and do things. I looked at last year's team, and I saw a void of talent that I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, again, we don't know. We're still. It always takes me about three years to figure out what a coach is doing. And then I right. get it where I'm like, oh, I know exactly. Yeah, right. Why are they throwing that pass in the first? Well, that sets up something I don't right. know any of this yet. So I don't know what's a check down and, and how many of those like, Oh, why are they running that play? Well, that's because the quarterback checked down into it. Right. I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, again, if, if, it, if some of those plays, if they were by design, I don't like them. And I have questions about Jed fish, but if they're a scared quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback, just playing it safe and trying not to get hit, uh, then it's hard to blame Jed fish for that. And again, I think we'll know a lot more by about week two or week three of, of whether he can call a game. Um, you know, they moved the ball pretty darn well against Utah with the subpar quarterback. 
Yeah, it looked the ball pretty well when they had McLeod out there. And yeah, that's turnovers notwithstanding. And that's the thing, Brad. Let's be honest here. When I watched Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer, they, they were two different problems, but they were problematic either way. Gunnar Cruz was Gunnar Cruz. I think is just it's fair to say is skittish. Gunnar Cruz is looking to get the two yard pass immediately, or he's looking to chuck it ninety yards out of bounds. Now he's not going to turn it over. Will Plummer isn't skittish per se, but it looks like the game moves a little too fast for him at times. Whereas Delora, by all accounts, and again, this is just me looking at highlights in the one Washington State game, gets the ball out quickly. It just looks like quarterbacking comes a little bit more natural to him, Brad. Again, I look at what they did for with McLeod. Right. And I know everyone's going to point, what, do you have five interceptions against Oregon? Right. Okay. So let's just put all those on him. He, he, he can't. He sucks. He moved the football. Arizona right. was in the red zone all night. Right. Uh, Arizona scored some points against a good Oregon team. Arizona was moving the ball uh, against UCLA. Um, and he threw pits. And right. so you could, can, you can't coach turnovers out of a kid completely. Um, but I saw an offense that looked intriguing, innovative at times. Um, because you had a guy who could move. You had a guy who could run some read option. You, can, you can't do that with Will Plummer. You couldn't do that with Gunnar Kurtz. Um, so, again, I, I, last year was a mulligan for me. Right. Um, you know, if, if you can't move the ball with Jordan DeLara or Noah Fafita or a healthy McLeod, then we have a problem. And then it's time to decide. What are we doing? Exactly? Jed Fish not coach or can he not call plays? Do we have to give it to Brennan Carroll? Um, but again, you see those guys who are stamping already. This is a failure. No, we don't know. Right. We don't know. Just like, frankly, you know, uh, you know, if Tommy Lloyd had finished fourth in the Pac-10 last year, we wouldn't have known. Now we're all intrigued. You know, we don't know what Caitlin Lowe's going to be. It's just right. too early to tell. Right, um, right. So, you know, let's pump the brakes and figure out what's going on and, and look at the, the, the totality of the situation. Was the NAU lost the lowest point of Arizona football in my lifetime? Yes. But guess what? Usually when you hit rock bottom, you right. can only go up. You can only go up from there. One place, though, that has never hit rock bottom and that is always up is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. You put down a thousand bucks, you can get or a thousand bucks. You put down a deposit, you can get a thousand dollars in free plays. You know, I don't even know if they have this bet, but if they did, there is something on there that you could probably find at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'm going to ask you this, Brad. If you were, and this is being uh, talked about by a couple different people on here, McLeod or Fafita for the backup quarterback position, I think if it's a short term proposition, it's probably Jordan McLeod. But I do think that if Jaden Delora were to go down for five or six games, I would be really, really interested to see what Noah Fafita could do, only because if you watched him, obviously, in that spring game, he looked very comfortable out there. He was anticipating things. Again, he's incredibly small. That goes without saying. But I think the backup quarterback position is actually intriguing for the first time in a while, as opposed to being like, oh, crap, we have to put him in there? Yeah, I mean – so much depends on things we just don't know. How good is Fafita's grasp of the playbook? How good has Fafita been in the weight room to get right. stronger? Right. Um, how healthy is Jordan McLeod? 
what has Jordan McLeod done to learn the playbook? Because uh, right. I, again, I think they tailored some things to his, but he missed spring. Right. Um, I tend to think like you. Yeah, if you needed someone to come in and win you a half, win you a spot start, you probably owe Jordan McLeod. I think if in week four, uh, week three, Delora goes down and you're looking at the long-term development of the program, I think that, yeah, they turn the reins over to Fafita, assuming he's ready. All right, Brad, before we sign off here, what do you got going on? We know that you got the Flagstaff All-Stars announcing gig, but what else you got going on? No, uh, well, we'll see if I go back out. Uh, that heat stroke that almost got me, but uh, no, it was volunteering for that. Uh, you know, going to have a couple podcasts this week. We only think had one last week, but we're back recording now that I have a quieter home, the kids uh-huh. are at camp. Uh, so yeah, just plugging away. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll jump in with you from time to time and, uh, you know, be tweeting out a lot. Right. Okay. Follow me, WSR Brad, everybody out there. Really appreciate all of you hopping on, all of your comments. Everything is greatly appreciated. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Thank you.